Sox Weekly, the official weekly talk show covering all things White Sox baseball. Get the fireworks ready. White Sox Weekly on WLS AM 890. Good afternoon and welcome into White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. I am Connor McKnight. We've got an hour with you. Talk a little White Sox baseball. We'll look around the news and notes in the MLB. And we got a lot to do in this show today. Not only are we going to continue our off-season long series of reviewing and previewing position by position the White Sox of 2017 and into 2018, but I just made a trip to the Arizona Fall League. Coming back from that for the second straight fall, love heading down there. And the, the folks who run the Arizona Fall League, Paul Jansen and his crew, are absolutely terrific. And they're just on the PR side. The operations side is a whole other crew. And and they do great work as well. Uh, they were wonderful hosts. We were in and out this week, or this last weekend, I should say, and got to talk to each and every White Sox player who's involved in the Arizona Fall League. We also talked to Matt Zaleski, who was the pitching coach for the Glendale Desert Dogs and, as it so happens, was also the pitching coach for the Canapolis Intimidators. So he saw Alec Hansen and Dane Dunning come through the ranks this season and is the guy in charge of making sure a couple of arms the White Sox have down there in the fall league are following best practices and getting the most out of their time down in the AFL. So not only are we going to review and preview the shortstop position, but we're going to hear over the next couple of weeks some conversations I was able to have with every White Sox Arizona fall leaguer. And this afternoon... We're going to start in a little bit of a different order than you might think. We will talk to Charlie Tilson, who spent all of last season rehabbing a number of different injuries, all of them kind of stemming from the catastrophic hamstring pull he suffered in Detroit in 2016. You remember the the White Sox traded Zach Duke to the Cardinals, and Charlie Tilson was the guy they got in return, and immediately Tilson was activated. He was put on the roster, and he made his debut against the Tigers. Got a hit in his first A.B., tore his hamstring on a play out in center field, and it has been a career of rehab since. Charlie looks good and is playing a little bit in the Arizona Fall League, has uh, some accolades to prove or at least some solid couple of games over this last week to to show for his efforts, and certainly they've been a lot, and he's had to do a lot of work to get back to playing baseball. We'll see where Charlie is once we start spring training, but you'll hear from him in just a couple of minutes here on the show. Since we're doing shortstops in the review and preview series today, we'll also hear from Danny Mendick. The White Sox, as far as shortstop goes, have pushed all their chips into the middle on Tim Anderson. And we're going to go through the reasons why and you know, the pros and cons of his 2017. So, you know, as you look through the system, and as loaded as the White Sox are in a lot of places – Shortstop is not a place where they've got a, you know, bright all-star type guy, right? It's just they don't have an, the Arcia or they don't have the Marte or they don't. Have, it's that's just not their position. They're more loaded in the outfield when you look at um, when you look at the bats. That said, there were a couple of guys this last year playing a little short, playing a little second, that raised some eyebrows from a from a scouting perspective. Danny Mendick is one of them. And Danny is uh, Danny's an entertaining dude too. He's got a plays with a big smile, plays with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. Who really enjoys the game, loves being out there, and, and earned himself a, a starter's spot 
this last season after you know looking like he was might be a, a utility guy. So we'll, we'll talk with Danny a little bit, probably uh, probably the last segment on the show here this afternoon. But first, Sox fans, it's never too early to lock in a 2018 ticket package. Full and partial ticket plans are available, including a lower-level 10-game plan starting at $217. Take advantage of great benefits like discounted pricing and flexible payment plans. For more information, call 312-674-1000 or visit whitesox.com. A couple of pieces of, of news and notes to get to before we head down the road on the shortstop review preview series. Uh, I think you saw this. You likely have. A.J. Pierzynski was in the area and working to help raise some money for the University of St. Francis's 41st annual Brown and Gold Dinner. That was this past Wednesday night. And he mentioned at the dinner, which was uh, reported on by a number of your favorite White Sox scribes, that one of the things he wants to do most in his broadcasting career, AJ's moved on and truthfully become a real good commenter on the game uh, for the Fox Network. AJ really wants to call one game with Hawk Harrelson. You know, of course, next year is, as it's planned, the last year for Hawk in the television booth. He's going to do 20 particular home games for the White Sox this coming year. Last year it was all road games. This year, 20 hand-picked home games for the White Sox. And it seems, well, at least A.J. has made it known that he's very much hoping to call a game with Hawk in the booth. And as much as we here on the station encourage you to listen to the WLS broadcast, that and D.J. do a fantastic job, We listen, Hawk and A.J. are in the booth together. That is appointment stuff. I wouldn't urge you to miss that for anything. In fact, uh... I would imagine we're all probably, uh, whether it's Ed or DJ or myself, we're all probably just take turns standing at the back door listening to those two guys go through a ball game. That'll be entertaining. And I'm sure if AJ does end up in the uh, television broadcast booth, we'll find a way to throw him in the booth with Ed and DJ too because he gets along real well with those two. Uh, Some other news around the bigs too that uh, kind of has a, a White Sox slant on some things. These Silver Sluggers were announced for both the AL and the NL, of course. And although there was not a White Sox winner for a silver slugger, perhaps there should have been. I don't mean to make mountains out of molehills or anything like that, but at first base, Eric Hosmer was named your silver slugger recipient. And, you know, for a little while now, whether it's the silver slugger or whether it's the gold glove, and it's not just the last couple of seasons. I think it goes a little bit longer than this. But I, these awards get voted on um, by players and managers. They, I'm not saying that's the worst way to vote on awards, but in a game where you've got to be so myopic and you have to have a laser focus as to you know, what you're doing that day, you, you look around and sometimes perhaps you miss the bigger picture of things. And and I I understand, and I think you do too, I think the White Sox do, that if you finish with a record that the White Sox had, then individual accolades are tougher to come by. I'm not saying that's right. Mike Trout should win an MVP regardless of what the Angels have been at, and assuming he's been healthy for a whole season. I, I In my opinion, every year he's been in the league. That said... Abreu finished with a 304, 354, 552 slash line. That means he outslugged the Silver Slugger recipient, Eric Hosmer, by a score of 552 to 498. 
He had 33 home runs. Hosmer had 25. Abreu over 100 RBI. Hosmer had 94. And, and you know, I'm not saying that these stats are end-all be-alls either. 102 for Jose Abreu in the RBI department. And they are what they are. They're a counting stat, but they're somewhat a function of the hitters around you. I think we're in an in a environment where we understand, I think, some of these counting numbers that have heretofore been regarded as the as the pinnacle stat are, are no longer. That doesn't mean they're not necessarily important. Abreu with a 140 OPS plus. Hosmer was a 132 OPS plus. Hosmer probably has the edge defensively, but we're talking about the Silver Slugger Award and not the Gold Glove. Weighted runs created. Had Abreu just over Hosmer to 114 to 113. I'm not saying it's quite the snub that Joey Votto got on the NL side where Paul Goldschmidt won the Silver Slugger. I just think that, you know, as we look at what this offseason might be for Jose Abreu, for perhaps Avi Garcia, those two have both been kind of linked together by not only writers and us here on the broadcast, but also by general manager Rick Hahn in that those two have two years of control left and the White Sox have shifted their window, their hopeful window of contention, further away from that they're they're very much in the same bucket that way jose is a meaningful contributor for just about any team he plays on and who knows this offseason could be a strange one in that while there might not be certainly won't be as many trades as there were over the last offseason well i suppose as many as putting it at two with sale and eaton but i guess i would kind of include the trade deadline flourish that the White Sox put together this year, too. It'll, it'll be an interesting one, and perhaps Jose Abreu's name could come up a time or two, even without a, sol, a, sil, even without a silver slugger attached to it. All right, we have to get to a quick break here. When we come back, we will continue our Arizona... Got to get to a quick break here, and when we come back... We will start our handful of conversations with White Sox Arizona Fall League players. Charlie Tilson is first up on the docket. We'll get to our shortstop review and preview as well. That'll be just after the 1230 news. You'll hear from Danny Mendick, who's working for the White Sox down in the Arizona Fall League a little later on in the show. I'm Connor McKnight. This is White Sox Weekly on WLS AM 890. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on WLSAM 890. I'm Connor McKnight, and Sox fans, you can sign up for SoxFest 2018 right now to receive a Hawk Harrelson talking bobblehead. The exclusive giveaway item is only available through SoxFest hotel packages. Join us January 26th through January 28th for a weekend of White Sox baseball that you won't want to miss. Hotel packages are available now at WhiteSox.com slash SoxFest. Just before we hit the break and as we open things up here on White Sox Weekly, mention that uh, I just came back from a trip to the Arizona Fall League. I have gone the last two seasons. It's really good to check in on a couple of White Sox prospects who are down there in the Arizona Fall League every year. And this year was no different. A little bit of a different mix of players down there this fall. And one of them, certainly in a different mold all his own, is Charlie Tilson. You remember Charlie Tilson. He made his major league debut for the White Sox since the Detroit Tigers last season, the 2016 season. Tore his hamstring on, I think it was his very first play out in center field. He did get a hit in his first at bat and then tore his hamstring up pretty badly. Did not play all of last season, but he has finally 
started to play a little bit in the Arizona Fall League, and he put together a good couple of days. On Thursday, he reached all four times, had a ground rule double, and walked three times, had a run batted in as well. When we talked to Charlie just the week before that, the weekend before uh, really started to click some with the bat over his last few games for the Glendale Desert Dogs, Charlie was still looking for a knock. However, he was full of enthusiasm, ready to go. I can't tell you how much of a lift it is for a ball player like Charlie to get out from the cages and onto the field, really starting to play some. You'll hear from Charlie about how he's really reworked himself in the light of this injury and how he's gotten himself back up and ready to go and to compete again for a job for the White Sox in the 2018 season. A lot of time between now and spring training, and Charlie's going to use that to put in as much work as he can. So, without further ado, here's a sit-down I had with Charlie Tilson just about a week ago in the Arizona Fall League. So it's our annual trip down to the Arizona Fall League, and our first conversation is with White Sox outfielder Charlie Tilson here on White Sox Weekly. Charlie, good to see you, man. I could tell we walked down the hallway here. You had a big smile <laughs> on your face. You're bouncing around. You got the Arizona sun. You look great, and, and you sound good, too. It's got to be really awesome to know that, seemingly, that you feel pretty good right now, and you're bouncing around. Yeah. I mean, it's well, first of all, it's, it's great to be interviewed, especially about playing baseball I mean it's so good to be back down here and back on the field I know it's been a, a little bit of a disappointing season but um, I've learned a lot I mean there's a lot of things you can't control in this game but you know what I've come to understand is, is um, you just got to work through it and you got to try to learn from it and uh, I think I've, I've done both and, and to be here and have this opportunity at the end of 2017 to actually be on the field and, and get something out of it I think it's it's going to be really important for me going into next year. I know a lot of fans at this point, you know, they, they've heard of the Arizona Fall League, and as the White Sox get younger and younger and put more great players into this league, they'll get more used to it. But for those who don't follow as much, like, where are you at? What is your game-to-game, you know, kind of plan right now? And where are you with uh, with sliding into lineups and working into to playing Major League Ball? Yeah, well, I actually had an opportunity to play in this league in 2015, mm-hmm. but as a taxi guy, which means you're, you're in the lineup twice a week and um, this year uh, taking over for Tito who is a priority outfielder uh, should be getting four or five games a week which is awesome for me I mean I want to be out there consistently and um, there's some incredible talent in this league uh, so it's a it's a it's a great stepping stone for me to get back to you know where I need to be and not only that but you know see where I'm at obviously it's, it's been a long time since I've been out on the field I've been working as, as much as I possibly can to, to try to mimic that that in-game type atmosphere, but to be out here and actually do it and, and get a feel for where I'm at and then know what, how I need to adjust going into next season and, and what I need to work on to, you know, to get back to competing for a job. Um, it's a great opportunity. You talk to guys who go through extensive rehabs like you have, and each one of them will tell you that they learned a, a lot about themselves in the process. I know you've really gone back to square one with yourself, with your body, physically. I imagine, you know, can you tell us a little bit about that and, and also, you know, mentally how you've grown and changed over the last 12 months? Yeah, it's a, you know, it was a challenging year because as a player, I mean, I always pride myself on, on how hard I play and um, you know, you always want to be a good teammate. You want to earn the respect of your teammates. And, um, you know, kind of leading into the year and thinking I was, I was going to be able to hurry up and, and get out there and, and you know, play because that's what 
that's what we love to do, and that's what we we work towards every off season. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, kind of having to deal with that adversity is it's really challenging when you know you, you don't you're not necessarily able to travel with the team and, and be a teammate and, and produce out there. So, uh, you know, it was, you're exactly right. It was a it was a challenging year, and, and you do learn a lot about yourself. Um, I think this whole process is uh, it's it's not the way you anticipate starting off your big league career, but. You know, I'm a firm believer in everything that happens for a reason, and this is a great opportunity for me to just show how resilient and how strong I can be. Do you are, are you a, a motivational poster type of guy? Like, I'm not saying you have the cat in your office that says "hang in there" or anything like that, but you know, are those handful of innings in Detroit breadcrumbs along the way? Have you kind of put that in the rear view and focus on what's going forward, or how do you drive yourself at this point? Um, I think I've learned a lot about motivation through this process. I mean, you you obviously strive towards, um, you know, the best possible scenario. But when you go through setbacks, that that is where I think um, it could become a challenge with yourself because you know you're, you you almost feel like giving up. Things aren't going your way. And um, I definitely think that I've I've become a much stronger person as a result because. I've always been motivated, but I've never been so challenged. Um, so it was so important for me to, to, to get back down here and, and show them that, you know, not only can I get healthy, but, but I can get healthy and, and, you know, come back even stronger and, and even better. And I think being out here, it, it, you know, obviously I'm not there yet, but it's a huge step along the way. And, and uh, you know, I've, I've picked up so many tokens of motivation along this this journey, and I—I I mean, I—I I know personally that that I'm a, a much better person because of it. How's your game? Uh, my game feels good. My game feels great. I mean, I was a little nervous uh, stepping in this league just because you know you haven't had a, had at bats in so long, and and when you're away from the game for a long time and you're watching everyone else do it, I think doubt tends to creep in your mind. But you know, from the first moment I stepped in the box and. Um, I got in a 2-0 count, leading off, and, and Mason, and just took a big hack at a fastball and popped it up. But that frustration running down the first baseline, knowing like, man, I just missed that ball. Like, those are the feelings that you know I haven't had that for a year and a half, and, and you can't mimic that unless you're in the game. So that's kind of that's been the beauty of it. And uh, I'm still looking to get the monkey off my back, get that first knock. But I feel so good about about where I'm at, just drawing a couple walks, getting in full counts, and, and competing up there and, you know, being a ball player. It says a lot about what it does for a ball player to move off a tee. If you remember everything about a 2-0 yeah. heater down the middle, it popped <laughs> up. I mean, I have to imagine that getting back to live pitch, because I know you played a couple of inch trucks, yeah. but getting back to live pitching and facing guys that, you know, I mean, 9 out of 10 of these pitchers that you'll face here in the Arizona Fall League will at some point throw Major League Baseball uh-huh. next season. That's got to get juices flowing regardless of what you've been through the last 12 months. Yeah, no doubt. And that's why, I mean, instructs players are great. Don't get me wrong. Um, the only difference is I think they're typically a little less experienced. Yeah. You know, they're starting off their career, so... Um, I didn't know initially if I was going to have an opportunity to play in this league, but I knew how much it could do for me. Just, you know, not only not only a chance to improve, but a chance to see how I stack up currently um, after all, you know, what I've been through in this last year. And it's been awesome. I, I feel I feel better than I anticipated almost. And, and I know that I've got a lot, a lot more to build on. And it's only going to go up from here, you know. Charlie, great to see you. Great talk to you. Thanks so much. And uh, I'm sure we'll see you get this first knock in just a few. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I appreciate that. You got it, man.
that was Charlie Tilson, and we certainly thank him for his time. And congrats on definitely getting his first couple of knocks in the Arizona Fall League. Hits in three straight games for Charlie heading into this weekend. White Sox games are better with a group. Group events are perfect for clients, employees, celebrating or fundraising. Bring your group of 10 or more for a great experience with specially priced tickets. It's never too early to start planning 2018. For more information, call 312-674-6330 or visit whitesox.com. When we come back, we will continue our other series of the offseason. We're going position by position for the White Sox, looking back at last year and also into 2018. We're at the shortstop spot, so a lot of talk about Tim Anderson next. You've got White Sox Weekly on WLS AM 890. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. I'm Connor McKnight. we got another half an hour here with you on the show. As always... Remember, you can check out the podcast, WLSAM.com slash White Sox. All of our shows are available there. So if you missed any of the interviews or you you just want to listen to them again, give them another go, uh, you can do so. WLSAM.com slash White Sox. Also, you can give the perfect gift to the biggest Sox fan in your life during the fan experience sale. Experiences include on-field access during batting practice. You get to change the bases, a whole lot more all experiences include game tickets and VIP perks. For more information, call 312-674-5396. That's 312-674-5396. Or shoot an email to SoxExperience at WhiteSox.MLB.com today. That's SoxExperience at WhiteSox.MLB.com today. So we continue our off-season series with shortstop. We started a couple of weeks ago with catchers, moved down to first base, talked a whole lot about Jose Abreu, talked a lot about the future with Yoan Mankata making his White Sox debut last season, and obviously a lot of promise held in that guy. And we've hit shortstop. For the White Sox this season, a handful played shortstop, but mostly those innings were manned by Tim Anderson. Tyler Saladino got a couple of games. Yolmer Sanchez played one or two. And Lurie Garcia played two games at shortstop as well. But you know, for the White Sox in 2017 and into the future, the answer at short is Tim Anderson. Tim's 2017 season was incredibly difficult in every way imaginable. Personally and professionally, on the field and off, he went through some trying times. It's been well documented that Tim lost essentially a brother. His best friend since, I guess, childhood was murdered. This best friend of his was also the godfather of his daughter. And it sent Tim, quite understandably, into a really rough spot. Tim and, and the family, I'm sure. Now, the reason we're able to talk about it here and the reason Tim brought it up a little later on in the season, not that not that it wasn't a known thing, not that we didn't know uh, about the tragedy when it happened, uh, but as, you know, reporters and people on the team and Tim talked a bit more uh, about what had happened, he mentioned that he sought help himself. He started talking to a professional. And for that, for that, I think he deserves... A lot of recognition. It is very easy to 
go at your own, you know, to do it by yourself, to try somehow to bury things deep inside. And I know maybe I'm just putting my own business out on the street, but in a business where there's, you know, purchase in macho, there is reason to be the man. Baseball such, yeah, it's a team sport, but it's an individual sport as much as any team sport is. And because of his ability to kind of look outside the individual, his willingness to, to get help and talk with someone, Tim got things back together, most importantly, personally, uh, but also professionally. And it's obviously a big part of, of Tim Anderson. His season kind of breaks down into three parts for me on the field. April and July did not go well for Tim at all. And certainly some of this is before tragedy befell the Anderson family. Most of it is after from April to July in 92 games. Tim Anderson hit 235 with an on-base percentage of 257 and slugged 351. That's 376 plate appearances in which he struck out 100 times. He walked 10 times. He stole six bases. He hit nine home runs. The strikeout rate for Tim from April through July, and keep this in mind as we kind of break down these three different sections, strikeout rate was 28%. August comes around, and Tim starts getting a little help. He starts sleeping, literally just starts sleeping. Wasn't doing much of that before at all. In the 54 games from August to the end of the season, Tim hit 293 with an on-base percentage of 309 and slugged 484. Eight home runs. Eight home runs from August to the end of the year. Nine from April all the way to July. He struck out 62 times in 230, see if I can read my own writing, 236 plate appearances, which is a strikeout rate, again, right about 28%. In September, right, so that was both August and September, in just September, 27 games, T.A. hit 327 with an on-base of 345, a slugging percentage of 469, he had all of his nine steals in the last two months in the last month of September. So I suppose that's the roundabout way of saying he stole nine bases in September. He walked once. He struck out 32 times. That's a strikeout rate of 28%. The reason I'm bringing up the consistent strikeout rate, even in his struggle months and in the months where he started putting things back together and in September where he had a terrific month, is this. It follows the scouting report on Tim Anderson. It follows kind of this, the conventional knowledge. Tim Anderson is going to strike out because he's an aggressive hitter. He's not got the greatest eye at the strike zone. And, you know, perhaps, well, I suppose maybe it's not about the strike zone, but pitch recognition for Tim. And that can increase some over the next couple of seasons, perhaps. But for Tim, largely that strikeout rate is what it is. And it's what we've seen. What's different right, is the quality of contact, it seems, from April into July and then in the last two months of the season. The slugging percentage obviously jumps up in a season where we saw a lot of home runs from a lot of different sizes and shapes. That's still meaningful. you got to be able to drive the ball. And if you're playing shortstop, you know, you got around a 470 slugging percentage, something like that. That plays, especially if you're playing defensively the way Tim did in the last two months. That's kind of another thing before we get too far down the road on the strikeout rate. The errors in which Tim led all of Major League Baseball, the bulk of them happened in the first four months of the year, April, May, June, and July. 
as August and September came through, as the season wound down, you saw a lot better shortstop play from Tim Anderson. And obviously, as we're talking about the biggest, perhaps other than catcher, defensive demand on the diamond, Tim can pick it. You know, he's got some serious, serious athleticism. He can range pretty far to his left and to his right. And I, I think you saw the decisions, the throws, uh, the indecision kind of go away as, as those other two kind of increased in quality quite a bit. Also for Tim, I think you can say this. You know, while there are plenty of questions about who's the real Tim Anderson, and while this season certainly professionally was not what the White Sox had hoped, having signed into a six-year deal for $25 million plus options in 2023 and 2024, it's not what they'd hoped. But there are things to work with in this year. And in a season where the White Sox were so much focused on the long term, on what that next window is, those are the things that, you know, obviously going into spring training, that Ricky Renneria and his coaching staff and Tim are going to focus on trying to get out of a full season of Major League Baseball. No doubt about it. Also, I think you can say this for Tim, and I don't know, I don't think the White Sox would be so out in front and saying it so... Uh, so matter-of-factly about this guy, if it weren't true, that's the guy you want to have. They knew about his makeup. They knew about the kind of worker, grinder, um, performer that he is when they signed him to the deal. Obviously, that's that kind of research, that kind of you know figuring out who you are by an organization does not happen lightly. And I think everybody means it when they talk about Tim in that way. Tim's not the only shortstop in the organization, though he certainly is the guy who's going to be there going forward for the White Sox in 2018. Danny Mendick, who played mostly at high A Winston-Salem, got a little taste of double A last year. Guy who put together a pretty good season at the plate, 289, 373, 468. The slash line for Danny. We'll talk to him just after the break. Jason Irizarry, who played again and A ball, but has a fantastic name. Jason is spelled Y-E-Y-S-O-N. Irizarry, Y-R-I-Z-A-R-R-I, he'll turn, he'll be 21 next season, and we'll see where he gets assigned, but he was a guy picked up out of a Rangers organization for some international signing money. Jake Peters, mostly a second baseman now, but he has handled shortstop before, so, you know, who knows? Perhaps Jake, who put together a very nice campaign at AAA Charlotte, 463 at-bats, a 292 average, a 351 on base, 506 slugging, a career high in home runs, for Jake Peter, though the strikeouts did jump up a little bit, still 351 slugging uh, on base percentage isn't so bad. Yeah, we'll see. Jake's kind of one of the guys that you know. If you look at roster breakdowns right now, and we'll see what the White Sox do, what they add, I guess during this offseason. Uh, but Jake could be a guy that's you know perhaps a, a 25th man when we break camp and might get a couple of days at short here or there. We'll see. Certainly, those positions, second and short, are manned by guys the White Sox would like to see there for a good long time. You can hear the music rolling in, and obviously we don't want to let you go to break here before we play some of Tim Anderson's highlights from the 2017 season. So without further ado, I'll hand things over to Ed Farm. Here's a swing and a high fly ball off the bat of Anderson to left field. Going back, Mabin against the wall, reaches up, it's gone for a home run. Talk about a misplay in left field. 
White Sox lead on the home run by Anderson at 6 to 5 here in the 11th. And the 3 2 pitch. Swing and a line drive deep to right field. Gamble going back at the track. At the wall. They go back to back. We're even at four. And the 1 2 to Tim Anderson. Fly ball, center field. This hit well. Blackman going back. Onto the track. At the wall at center. It's gone. Anderson puts us ahead 5 to 4 with a home run to center. Darren, tomorrow when you see him in the clubhouse, Tell him it's shorter going to left and right field than it is to center. Nice pitch to swing and a base hit to left field. Garcia late break hits third. The throw coming in. Safe at home plate. Sox win. Sox win. On a single to left field by Tim Anderson. There's the 0-1. Anderson a swing and a line drive down the left field line. That's a base hit. Partner, you're going to have to call another double. The 2-0 to Anderson. Swing and a line drive right center field. This is crushed. Castellanos can't get it. It's over his head and off the wall. The no-hitter's gone as Anderson spoils it with the two-out double to right. No score. Royals threat. Swing and a line drive. Jumping and catching it. Coming down with it is Anderson. We'll talk a little more shortstop when we get back. Our conversation with Arizona Fall League shortstop Danny Mendick in the White Sox organization is next. You've got White Sox Weekly on WLS AM 890. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. If you've ever dreamed of being a White Sox player, well then right now is your chance. You can attend the 2018 Chicago White Sox Fantasy Camp at Camelback Ranch Glendale January 14th through the 20th, you will be treated like a pro. For more information or to reserve your roster spot, call 623-302-5078 or sign up at whitesox.com. Just got done looking back at the shortstop position for the White Sox in last season and looking forward a little bit as well. White Sox have one shortstop in the Arizona Fall League. It is Danny Mendick, kind of a fun guy to talk to. So we figured we'd bring you the conversation that Danny and I had just this last weekend in the Arizona Fall League. A couple minutes to sit down with Danny Mendick here on White Sox Weekly. Danny, Arizona Fall League starting shortstop today for the Glendale Desert Dogs. I know your last season here in 2017 was, I mean, you read scouting reports, you read some of the numbers, the stat lines. Revelation is the word that gets thrown around a lot. You comfortable with that? You good with that? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm excited to be here. This mm-hmm. is a, it's a great opportunity, a great experience. Um, so, you know, it's, uh, it's a great way to learn. I guess uh, I've learned a lot since, you know, since I first got here. So it's been a great experience, and uh, hopefully I can finish up strong. What clicked for you in this last season? Because I, I know there's been a lot of utility work for you. With the glove you've got, you can pretty much play anywhere in the infield, it seems. Yep. I, I wonder what it is that, you know, now that you've kind of been bumped into a starting role over this last couple of months, what's kind of clicked for you mentally? Um, yeah, well, I, I said this a while ago, but last season I went into the off season and I was like, all right, you got to learn how to be a utility guy. Sure. Because I didn't, I, I've never been that guy. You know what I mean? And last year I was, you know, bumping around and was playing, you know, spot starting and stuff like that. And uh, so then when I came out here, I had that mindset. I was like, I'm only going to play, and then when I get an opportunity, it's, you're going to have to take full advantage of it. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it ended up working out because. You know, a couple guys got hurt, and then I started to fall into more of a, an everyday role. And uh, I just try to be consistent with everything. You know, my daily work, going out and what I did beforehand, and just to be consistent with it and have fun with it. Um, and always keep it light, because if I ever took it too much, that's when I start to do bad. So I just wanted to have fun with it. Well, you got a coach in Willie Harris who knows exactly what that's about. Oh, yeah. i, I got to imagine he keeps guys loose. Oh, it was awesome. I mean, he was he was so much fun to play for, and he taught me so much in general because me and him have, like, the same roles. I mean, he was a utility guy in the big leagues. No for, kidding. You know, so having having him be a little bit of a mentor was 
meant the world. Just out of curiosity, watching the World Series the last couple of days, you know, there were a couple of guys, really the playoffs in general, a couple of guys put into big spots and pinch hit roles. Yeah. I wonder how much you've, you've pinch hit in the past. I know that it's kind of a different setup in the minor leagues and whatnot, but does that help you in, in that instance when you've got to come in cold off the bench like that and maybe face a, you know, fire-breathing reliever or something like that? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the sign of a true professional because... No one really understands how to, what it's like to pinch hit off the bench because you're cold. Like you said, you're cold. And then all of a sudden you got to come in and you got to face a guy that's throwing 97. You know, you got to be prepared the whole entire game. you got to be ready to go in. And I kind of learned that because I got called up to AAA last year. Mm-hmm. And I pinch hit twice. And I ended up striking out twice, but it was the greatest thing in the world because it showed me that, like, I had to be locked in the entire game. If I just sat there and I was like, all right, I'm not going to play, I'm not going to play, and then all of a sudden I come in, it's like you got to be ready. So I'm a, those guys, you know, are the best of the best. And uh, when they come in and they get knocks like that and they get hits, man, that's incredible. So now that you've got the starting gig and you're playing short, it seems mostly, is that is that where you're most comfortable? Is that kind of, you know, because that's where you grew up? Or did you, you know, as you kind of skipped around the diamond some, do you find that you like third a little bit, like second a little bit? Yeah. I mean, I grew up playing short, so I knew... Um, exactly. That's that's my that's the comfortable wise. Yeah. Um, second and third, I've actually really come to love third base. Really? Um, yeah, because it's it's called the hot corner. You know that. So you don't really have that much time to think. So it's more of a reaction. But uh, it's been fun. I love second base as well. And the truth is that I, I mean, even if I have to play the outfield, I'll do whatever it takes. So. How's the stick work in the last couple of days? I mean, Arizona Fall League, the pitching is, you know, it might not be the top prospects in baseball, but a lot of these guys are going to see Major League time next year. Oh, yeah. I mean, a lot of the guys have great arms. Yeah. And it's cool because you get to see, I guess, an organization's best. So, you know, it'll help me down the road, that's for sure. Like you said, it'll help some big league time. So you get to know these guys, especially from organizations that you don't play throughout the course of the season. Um, but the sticks felt great. You know, in the beginning, I felt a little... Uh, a little uncomfortable, and I wasn't feeling as, as well as I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. But over these past couple weeks, um, it started to feel great. I started to see the ball a little better. And I just wanted to always get comfortable at the plate, so I feel like I've started to do that a little bit more. So, you know, during a minor league season, there are, at least from the outside perspective, our perspective, the idiots in front of microphones, there's a couple of guys in a system you might go, oh, that's that's a guy headed to the fall league probably. Or that's a guy, you know, top prospect might be headed there, a guy right. you trade for, that right. kind of thing. When you got the call that you knew you were going to the fall league, was that is that a jump for you? Because I, maybe you had it on your mind, maybe you didn't, but that's, you know, pretty nice to be here along with a yeah. lot of talent like that. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm honored, truthfully. Uh, um, and I guess when I got the call, I didn't specifically know. I really truthfully didn't know, you know, what the fall league in, entailed. You know, I didn't know who went, what was the deal with that. Mm-hmm. I started to find out as time got closer, but guys were telling me, oh, you're probably going to go to the fall league. And I was like, you know, I've always been this small guy. I never, you know, had to, you know, it's always just been a little, a little guy. So it's like to be able to get the opportunity to come here, it's, it's absolutely awesome. So you mentioned the little guy, and it, maybe it's just because I watched Game 7 last night and <laughs> haven't slept on the plane coming in here. But as, as you see, you know, the power tick up, you know, through the big leagues. I, I know you check out a couple of big league games when you can, oh, yeah. when the bus stops. Where you see a guy like Jose Altuve, you see guys of that size doing what they do in the bigs. How do you translate that? How do you process that? Do you look to do what they can do, or is it is it a different process knowing that they're where they are and you're still working on your game? Yeah, I mean, I think, well, they've all had this, you know, they've all been in the same spot I have. So, uh, you know, it's, you look at a guy like Altuve, and he just proves what everyone has said about, like, being big and being strong and hit home runs and do all this. He just shows exactly what everyone can do. I mean, what's the guy, 5'5"? Maybe. And he's going to win the batting title. You know what I mean? It's, 
you just it's awesome and you, you like to place you like to look at him as a role model because I mean I was I've always been the same way I mean maybe I'm a little taller but um, you know you look at the guy and you say you can do that I can do that you know what I mean and he's 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 given the the smaller man a little bit more of a push so it's cool that's awesome man Danny really appreciate you yeah, sitting down thank you very thanks much. a ton thanks for having me. That's going to do it for us here on White Sox Weekly. Thanks so much to Charlie Tilson and Danny Mendick for hopping on the show while giving us some time last weekend in the Arizona Fall League. You'll hear more from White Sox Fall League players over the next handful of weeks. Excited to bring you those interviews. And by the way, sports fans, the Bulls Sox Youth Academy, the official youth training facility of the Chicago Bulls and White Sox, runs year-round basketball, baseball, and fast-pitch softball sports programming for boys and girls ages 5 to 18. The Academy offers private lessons, camps, travel teams, birthday parties, field trips, and much, much more. Call 630-PLAY-BALL or visit BullsSoxAcademy.com for more information. We will be back next week. The trip around the diamond will continue. We'll head over to third base and take a look back at the season that was. Look forward to 2018. We'll hear a couple interviews from White Sox Fall Leaguers, too. I'm Connor McKnight. Thanks so much for listening. Catch you next week on White Sox Weekly. This is WLS AM 890. You've been listening to White Sox Weekly, the official weekly talk show covering all things White Sox baseball. Listen every week for White Sox Weekly on WLS AM 890, the proud home for White Sox baseball.